Hi, I'm Pam Ross, the culturalist. I love good conversations with interesting people. In this podcast, we use the art of conversation to explore what's happening in culture. Thanks for joining us. Welcome, everybody, to the Culturalist Podcast Conversations with Pam Ross. Ooh, I'm so excited. Ooh, ooh, I'm so excited. Ooh, I'm so excited. <laughs> Girl, I'm so excited because I'm talking to uh, Dewana Hatter, who's probably one of the most brilliant people I know. She's a bright star. She hails from the lovely city of Louisville, Kentucky, which I spent several days there and loved it. And Y'all might have chicken that rivals Nashville. I'm just oh, saying, if, if Louisville wanted to do wanted to uh, get in the ring with Nashville, I will eat all the chicken and be a willing judge. So, but uh, we're here today to have just a wonderful conversation, catch up a little bit, see what you're up to. But then also let's address this thing of perfectionism versus excellence. Because first of all, welcome. How you doing? God is good. All is well. Yes. I'm just on 10,000 right now. Yes. You're in your, you were saying you're in the nation's capital right now. I am in the nation's capital. I'm in Washington, DC. The Lord opened up a door for me to be able to give my very first keynote speech. Wonderful. And I had a standing ovation talking about health equity work, talking about the work that I do in my professional career. Uh, I work for the United Way back home. Uh, I'm a director. I oversee a technology platform. And so I use data to really understand social determinants of health. And I use wow. that information to help me serve the people better, more efficiently and excellence and making sure they get the resources that they need to I mitigate some of the barriers that they have in their home life. So yes. being able to talk to that, talk about that to leaders from all across the country. Yes. You know, it's just my wildest dream because my past uh, tells me that I shouldn't be where I'm at today. So I'm yeah. just grateful for the sovereignty of God. You know, we can often look back at our past and say, my stats in the past are no indication that I gave no indication that would be here. Absolutely. Yeah. Like you really could not have looked at who I was um, or not. I won't say who I was. You couldn't have looked at where I was and you couldn't have looked at what I had and predict that we'd be where we are now, For which sure. just teaches us so much people that like you, where God does that. Uh, what it teaches us is that he can change circumstances in a day. Yes. I literally, if I had a story to relate my story to, it would definitely be Saul to Paul. I definitely mm. had a Damascus situation. I didn't grow up in church. We went, but I, nothing yeah. was required of me. Yeah. Um, there was no got, expectation to you to there live. There was no exactly. expectation. I got involved in gang life at a very young age. I was facing some very severe jail time when I met the wow. Lord or when the Lord met me and came and literally snatched yes. me out. And I started going to church in 2012, joined the church for the first time in 2012. 
Whoa. Uh, got baptized in Jesus name in 2013, July 20th, 2013. So I will celebrate 10 years of salvation this year. So not only does my past not predicate where I'm at just to see what the Lord has done with a yes in 10 years. Yes. It's literally my That's moment. remarkable to see what he's done in a short amount of time. Very you know what else I think is amazing when you look at people like you and God has made this huge transformation is that you never really know who you're looking at. Because if someone had looked at that young girl who got involved in gang life, who was facing a serious charge, who was facing significant jail time, and someone had said to her, oh, yeah, she's actually a minister, an executive, um, a PhD candidate. What? Are you kidding me? No, that's not who this is. So you can you never know who you're talking to because God is like the one ingredient that changes everything else. He's like, just add that, just add Jesus. Like, what if I'm this jacked up? Just add Jesus. If you look at Jacob, he went from a liar to the father. Yes. uh, Like everything. So really only need, it took me one yes, literally. Wow. I love that. I love that. (laughs) Ma'am, let me tell you, this water walking thing. (laughs) Listen. (laughs) So you know oh word that says you're you to live the life of a water walker. I did. I received a word a month and a half ago from a prophet. And then I visited a church, which I forgot to send you my service selfie. I went to church this past Sunday. Um, and that word came back up again from a completely different prophet. And wow. you know, it made me so mad because you're like, when you think about what the how the Bible describes that moment of water yes. walking, yes. it sounds chaotic there was a storm happening yes um this was right it sounds dangerous it sounds dangerous this was literally right after they fed the 5,000, yes. 14,000, if you include the women and children, Come on now. Uh, but they had just fed, you know, the two fish and five loaves. And so these were a group of men who had spent significant amount of time with Jesus, but because of the elements, they thought he was a ghost. Like yes. how did you not recognize somebody that you spent this much time with because of some rain. Because the so, atmosphere will cause you not to see atmosphere him. will cause you to be blurry. You don't like, see him very clearly. Yes. Um, and so That's thinking a whole about water right there. Walk, I mean, just give me a, a Hammond, put me in a flat, give me a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know why? You know why? Because people like to say, I can see clearly now yeah, the, rain the rain is, is gone. gone. Listen, you can't wait till the rain is gone to can't see. Can't wait till the rain is gone. But the interesting thing is Peter got his biggest test of faith in the middle of the storm. Yeah. Had he not had that moment, I don't know if Peter would have been who Peter became to be. No after that moment and so when you get a word that says you live a perpetual life of water walking it, it I was upset but I was so relieved because that level of language let me know that the chaos was orchestrated the storm yes. is orchestrated the chaos yeah. is prophetic like think about think about the boneyard when he's yes. chaos said, out of order bones live. Yes. I'm sure the bones weren't laying near the body that it was assigned to. No. So like can these dry bones live? So you, I, I just imagine like these bones like lifting up out of the ground. Yes. You know just, that's really one of my favorite passages. Yeah, flying through the air like swords. I love it. So it's like all of this chaos. And so you know it makes you ask the question like 
is what I'm feeling. I'm just, I don't need to pray and ask God to get me out of it. This is what oh. my prayers got me into. Into. So just Ooh. really, you know, that level of language from heaven and it being confirmed again recently, just, yeah, you know, it makes me grateful that God loves me so much to give me language to help me navigate. Yes. Yeah. And to help me really realize that I actually do have capacity for this. Because if you don't feel like you have capacity for it, you just gain this subliminal sense of overwhelmingness. Yeah. Yep. And then you get frightened. And then that's how the enemy sneaks in. That's what happened in Nehemiah when they were rebuilding the wall. Come on. And they were talking about the cracks. The only reason why yes. the cracks were there was because they weren't paying attention to the foundation. Come on now. Language brings you back to the foundation. I feel real preachy right now. You feel real preachy. You done preached three messages. I'm just sitting here. I'm taking it all in. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> you know it's so interesting because no, I, I, so I love it because what happens is when you receive a word like that it does stir you up it does it reminds you about what you know what you've read what you've heard what you've reigniting. lived I like it because here's, here's the other thing this idea of when you said first I was mad I can relate because I have I remember sitting at a friend's um dining room table and I said am I just gonna have to walk on water all the time and she looks above my head and starts laughing hysterically. I'm like, what are you looking at, lady? Are you seeing visions? Are you losing it? Uh, you know, how's your blood pressure? But I, <laughs> and I turned around and looked and behind me, she had this huge portrait of water of Peter. That's hilarious. Walking on the water, going to Jesus. <laughs> that I had come in the house and sat down. And didn't even recognize it. Never even noticed it. And so you do kind of feel like, I, I really would like to have something solid to depend on. Yes. And, and this is what the Lord has said to me. No, because you would depend on it. And I'm mm -hmm, here. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. Me the same. Literally. Yeah. The, my grace is sufficient. Like the yes. storm is the thorn. That's a book. The storm is the thorn. Yes. So I love it. I love that you got that because now what it, it helps your, your past make sense. When Absolutely. You, when you find yourself in chaos, you know, oh, I'm not lost. I'm not lost. And this I don't have to actually, fix this in order I to see God. I don't have to fix it. And that's a beautiful thing, especially when you know that you're assigned to be a solution in the earth. Yeah. That I actually don't have to figure this out. But, you know, that right. type A in me. I'm very analytical. Oh, yeah. Let's get everything in alignment. A, very yes. meticulous. A, B, C, not A, L, X, no. you know, and the Lord is just showing me that I, he is literally all I need. Yes. I don't need a plan. There is no plan B in the Lord. There really isn't. It's like, I'm going to, what are you going to do? I'm going to follow you. And if that doesn't I'm work, well, then I'll just keep following you. I'll just keep following you until it works. Because eventually it's eventually, going to work. Yes. To Bishop Peter Bismarck says sooner than later. Sooner than later. Sooner than later, it's going to work out. And I wanted to start our conversation there with this water walking thing. Because our whole topic is understanding the difference between perfectionism and absolutely. Because if you're called to walk by faith, it what will begin to what we can get caught up in very quickly is I have to do everything right so this thing will work. Yep. I I I, I we we think that it's on us, you know, yep. to make it yep. right, and we feel like I I got to get everything right to to uh, so this thing will work out for us. So yep. tell me, how did you get to this? How did you even get those two things on the scale? 
Excellent. For sure. You know, they are kissing cousins for sure. And <laughs> when you think about perfectionism and the spirit that is behind perfectionism and you yes. think about excellence and the spirit that is behind excellence, you realize that, you know, I had the right heart. I just had the wrong way of doing it. Okay. So God doesn't want us to be right. He wants us to be righteous Absolutely. because he is the one that's right. And Can as we long just as camp we- out there, can I just spend a minute with you <laughs> sitting in the garden? I just spent a minute with you sitting in the garden with these trees. And yeah. this one is the knowledge of good and evil. Absolutely. And we want to eat from there so we can now decide. So we can decide what is good and what is evil. We get so caught up. Yes. Rather than just be led. I just want to be led of you. Yeah. I love it. So it's not about being right. It's about being righteous and right standing with him. And right standing with the Lord. And then, you know, as I was, because I really had this epiphany in my healing journey. So 2022 was treacherous from the beginning to the end. I lost my mom in January and literally had 12 deaths of people who I knew personally all throughout the year. On top of watching my pastors close two campuses yes so that that type of grief just death alone is a lot to process a lot especially when you're close people that you talk to every day people that you're constantly picking up your phone and like yes oh I can't you know yeah and then now I don't have spiritual covering yes because my churches are closed so what am I supposed to do with this and God had me exactly where he wanted me. He is the master surgeon. Yes. And he literally started, he used grief as a tool mm-hmm. to get to my heart. Wow. And it's very interesting because when I was in minister's training in my first church and we were learning how to do eulogies and things of that nature, mm-hmm. we learned that funerals are a good place to introduce Christ because yes, people's hearts are soft because of the grief. Yeah. And I said, how strategic is that? Because this is the one thing that I felt like I could handle on my own. Yes. And so I was very hesitant to give it to God. You know, I, I'm like, God, I gave you 98%. Why can't you let me keep this? <laughs> and that's the 2% that he fought me for the hardest. Yes. Because he knows that our hearts is where our desire lives. Yep. If my desire isn't his, then my will isn't his. And even though he gives us free will, he wants what's best for me because he's a good and loving father. Yes, he is. And, we, and he knows what's best. He absolutely And best. we do not. We think we do. No, we think we do because we're like, oh, I'm grown. I'm 35. I've been, uh-huh. I've been me my whole life. What do my you My whole life, of course. I just met you 10 years ago. First of all, let's start there. Who are Come you? On. Who are you? Know? <laughs> and the Lord is like, I've known you since And then he's like, I've known you before you were your you. mom. Yeah, even here, like I knew you when you I were you. still in me. Yes, um, and so it's it's just a beautiful thing to be, you know, pulled out, put in for such a time as this. And so navigating through that, you know, I really feel like in the Old Testament, and I'm a word person. Is that okay? If I oh, I, I love like, it. Love oh, the no. Bible. I love my um, whole house is like that. My children, my children. It's, it's interesting because you know my friends from from past life 
you know, they're like, you just always talking about the Bible. And I'm like, you know, when you, you have to build a reservoir because if you Jesus do. taught And there's us, a story <laughs> in the Bible. There's a lesson in the Bible. It there's is written. There's a life in the yeah. Bible that will that we can relate to for every Everything. situation in life. Every situation in every life. Situation Even Jesus himself life. went back to the yes. word. and said it is in written. In Gethsemane, he said it is written. Um, yes. And so it's just a very powerful when you build a reservoir. And, you know, when, when I was going through this healing journey, the first thing I thought about was the Old Testament story of Gilgal and how the heart... Um, circumcisions and second yes. um, Samuel all through like second Kings and how they had to go before the town and literally do yeah. work on the heart to get their heart postures right. And so when the Lord started working on my heart, I immediately felt like Martha. Mm. So in the in the story of when Jesus came to visit, Martha was just this busybody. Just yes, doing working, everything working, so much to, to do. I have to, it has to be right for yes. him to enter. Yes. And Mary's posture was, Lord, if you're coming to me, I don't care about nothing else that's around me. I just want to be with you. So that you. was my first example of doing versus being. And you know what it goes back to, Duana? Man, when, when, you, when you describe it as Martha's motive was a good motive, but it wasn't best. It wasn't the best. Her motive was, I need all the physical space to be in order because the master is coming. Yep. He was the master teacher. He was the Messiah. He was the gift from God. He was the miracle worker. And so the house has to be clean. Everything has to be, you know, has to be right because he's coming. And that whole, that back to that chaos thing where we feel like I have to clean up all of this in order to engage with God. When really, when you engage with God, he's the one that helps you clean it all he's up. He's the one that cleans it up. Come, That is the true meaning of the scripture, come as you are. Yes. We've related it to church and it has absolutely nothing to do with the assembly in the body and everything to do with the convening with him and that is why the whole genesis story of adam and eve when god is like who told you you were naked right that's why that was so important because he wanted them to even though they were naked in their physical body the context behind it is i want you to feel vulnerable enough to tell me because for one the more you tell me the less room the enemy has to infiltrate it and secondly, I know anyway. I so know I want you to trust me enough to be able to tell me, even though I already know, so we can build relationship yes. with one another. And so having that tangible example of doing versus being, and yeah. I'm like, well, I'm a, I was born a human being, like scientific. I'm a human yes. being. I'm not a human doing. And mm-hmm. that's when God showed me um, the difference between perfectionism and excellence because he showed me the reason why you're burnt out the reason why you're tired is because you spent so much time trying to be perfect and I just want you to be excellent and then he showed me that perfectionism is performance and excellence is posture Mary was bowed my my Martha was working doing all of the things that she thought that right. he wanted. When the Bible says, enter into my presence with thanksgiving. Yes. That's what Mary was doing. And so really just understanding like, I don't have to perform. I don't. 
All I, I have don't to do have is to be earn mustered. it. I don't have to earn it. Mm-mm. There is there's nothing that I can do to earn yes. what was already done for me. I love it. You know what's amazing? So I've you know I've taught this course called Developing a Spirit of Excellence for probably twenty years. I love this course. I love it. I'll teach it in weeks. I'll teach it in one session, two hours, <laughs> however much time you give me. I will teach this thing, Developing a Spirit of Excellence, and it's always in response to how the Bible says, I'll show you a more excellent way. Yes. It goes on to talk about love, 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 right? Yes. And so it's always, it it has to do with positioning your heart to serve in a way that reflects how you feel about God. Absolutely. It's not trying to get God to feel a way about you. Yep. Because he's already madly in love with you. He's already head over heels. Apple of his eye. (laughs) (laughs) You're already the apple of his eye. Come on. Come on. He's like, I love being able to tell people that. You already have his attention. You're already the apple of his eye. His thoughts towards you, you can't even number them. You can't. Right? And so we're not trying to perform to get him to say, look at me, look at me, look how good I'm being. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, living in a first world country uh, contributes to that. And so an important thing, a little gem that I would like to drop Mm -hmm. is understanding that when the Lord reveals something to us, it's not for punishment. It's just to make us better. Yeah. I used to receive instructions or chastisement from the Lord and automatically feel like I'm in trouble, automatically feel like, well, if you're correcting this behavior, I need to go back and fix everything that I've done wrong to get right. And really, he just wants me to start from that moment that he corrected me and continue on because he's already forgiven the past. It's already in the sea of forgiveness. And I think a lot of times where we get caught up is we receive that type of instruction as punishment. Yep. And that's really not what it is. And when you live in a capitalistic society that's performance driven, Very you know, much. you have performance reviews at work, yes. you have your resume, you get yes. accolades and awards and all of these things, you get all of these trinkets and I can show this and I can show that. Yep. And when even you try when to the, say- Even that, when the phrase do better is an yeah. insult. Is an insult. When you know better, you do better. Like, really? Uh-huh. When somebody says, oh, be better, do better. Like, it's what like does a, that even mean? It's such an insult, you know? <laughs> and it, it causes people to feel like you should already be there. You should all. I should already know this. I should already be there. God should never have to correct me, instruct yeah. me, groom me, prune me. When the truth of the matter is, that's what this journey is all about. Absolutely. When you lose the idea of sanctification, you become the one third that Lucifer let out of heaven. My God. Like if you think you already have it, then yes. why are you breathing? Yeah. Man, <laughs> if you have it, God's going to take you. <laughs> there, I know that there are some people that struggle with perfectionism for a lot of reasons that for are sure. be listening to this. And do you think, does it come from childhood where you like that with your family, where if mom had to correct me, mom, I'm so sorry. She's like, it's okay. I'm just correct. I am the oldest of six. Okay. I grew up in a single parent home. Mm -hmm. So from birth to six, I had my mom to myself. 
Yes. The moment I became a big sister was the yeah. moment I had to fight for attention. Yeah. So even as a young girl, I said, what do I have to do to get the attention back? Yeah. Oh my goodness. And then as siblings started to be added on, it got yep. less and less and less. So now I'm out here like Mephibosheth. Like, do you remember? Very dropped. Yeah. Do, like, you, remember do you remember me? me? Do you, do you, do you remember? Yeah. You remember me enough to discipline me. You remember yeah. me enough to teach me skills that I need to, to be able to help you because it's a single parent home with six children. Oh yeah. And you become so, a, you become a sister. The second mom. parent. Like, yeah. Mom mm-hmm. And so how do you navigate that when my mom also wasn't a frequent, I love you. Oh, wow. When you're raised to survive instead of raised to love, your brain is just wired differently. So not only was I trained to perform, it literally became my life. So my prayer and my healing, I asked the Lord to take me back to when I was six because arrested development is real. Oh, so when you learn how powerful God is and how much he loves us to do the work, but you have to be willing to do the work. And I had to be ready for what I prayed for. So I'm asking to take me back to six. And then all of a sudden I got all these thoughts flooding my mind. I had to then again, pray like, Lord, protect my mind. Cause I don't want to go crazy while I'm in this healing. And so I think, you know, just as he put Adam to sleep when he pulled the rib out, that's a, that's yeah. a form of surgery. Mm-hmm. He started taking things off my plate so I can rest. Yes. Because when you're in but surgery. Part of perfectionism is you do not like gaps. You don't like, like gaps. A, you don't you know, like I know what I'm getting into. Instability. Yes. Ooh, you don't like quiet time, stillness. No wears me out like I need to do something I need to feel this time mm-hmm. I need to be and we convince ourselves that if we're still we're not productive when you cannot I, I literally just taught a class on you can't spell resilient without rest the same letters Lady. that spell resilient Lady. also spell rest and they also spell silent if you even want to go even further You can't spell resilient without spelling rest and silent. So how do we incorporate rest and silence in our resilience? Because this go, 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 go. And then you wonder why you're burnt out. It's like a car. Are you you refused to believe that you're burnt out? Are you refusably? And don't be religious with it. Don't be be religious. Well, the Lord won't give me more than I can bear. Well, the Lord didn't put that on your plate. It wasn't you. It wasn't him. The Lord said, that's you put all that on. Look at your calendar. Your He's, plate. I just, you, said, you out here being gluttonous, okay? Yeah. You think it's Thanksgiving and you had to have that second turkey leg. Now you out here with high blood pressure and pre-diabetic. Trying to same. figure it out. Man. And in a world time. that applauds you, applauds you. Yes. For, for saying, hey, uh, I left here and then I had to go there. Then I did this and I did this and I, you ask someone, how was your day? Well, I got up at this day and I did this and I, and they begin yeah. to list all the things they've done. I'm just asking if you're feeling I just wanted to know how, how are you mentally? How are you? Mm-hmm. How's your capacity? How's your soul? How's your joy and level today? How's your joy? And another thing that freed me from the spirit of perfectionism is I realized that the only thing that I wanted to hear prior to this moment was somebody to tell me that they were proud of me. 
So mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm doing all this stuff. Mama, are you proud of me? Mama, do you see me? I just want you to hear I'm proud of you. But when the Lord started to, to take me on my healing journey, he asked me a question that was very aggressive, but very loving at the same time. Wow. And he asked me, he said, do you want to hear I'm proud of you on earth? Or do you want to hear well done when you see me? And what okay. a question okay. to be asked. Okay. I'm just going to be quiet. Because what are you really doing this oh for? Because you aren't doing it for me. You're So that's how you know it's perfectionism. If it's self-fulfilling, that's yeah. how you know it's a spirit of perfectionism. Because now everything I do, I submit it to the Lord before I do it. Yes. Lord, is this pleasing into your sight? Mm-hmm. I want my heart to match whatever you have for this, for me, for your glory. It's not yeah. a show me, show me, show me. So there's a lot of things that seems like I'm, I'm in hiding or I'm underneath the shadow, but really it's not that it is because his opinion is the only one that matters now. I'm not doing it for this other stuff. His opinion is the only one that matters now. And the reason why it's the only one, because he's the only one that sees me from the inside out. From the inside out. He judges my, he he weighs my motives for one thing. Absolutely. knows what I had to push through in order to accomplish a thing or to even just show up and show up right. Absolutely. Show up ready. Character. He understands all, yep, from the inside out. From the inside out. his opinion is the one. And we can can breathe in it. We can be happy with it. And there's a level. And not say, I won't be satisfied unless a certain person or a certain whoever applauds me. Or I get a certain number of likes or comments or, you know. that. That social media, I actually am currently scribing. I'm journaling. I don't know if it'll be a book. I don't know what it'll be, but I'm currently scribing about how social media feeds into this false sense of community. Yeah. This false sense of validation. Yes. It is so it is deep and it's ugly and I mean I've literally seen people that have great statuses and they don't have a lot of likes and they'll delete the status and I'm like what are you doing this for everybody wants to go viral everybody wants to be the next sensation and I'm like you know who are you following exactly Jesus ain't Twitter post it because you really want to encourage somebody and if listen I've packed up got on left my home go to an airport, fly to another city, come to a place, study, prepare, get up and train and meet one person at the altar. And the Lord will say, this is why you're here. Yep. One person. Think and about that Jesus that went to the pool. Yep. Yes. Went to the pool, walked person. through all those six pe- sick people. Yep. And we don't know if he healed anybody else. We don't know if he didn't. All I know we is the know. one they talk about 38 years, heals this guy and then jets. Years. And dips. And the crazy thing is, is that was a detour. Yes. <laughs> Think about that detour. Oh my gosh. That was the a detour. detour when he went through Samaria. Remember when that? He went through Samaria. And One then there was another detour when he was on his way to JR's daughter. One detour. That was a detour. One lady. So One don't let these numbers uh, mess you up, people. Listen exactly. To and I'm like, don't you know, when you, you look up. 
when you look at the gospel, this is the reason why I love the gospel of Luke so much because he was a physician. And so because he had the natural ability to see medical things, you can, you can see it in his writing. Yeah. And one of the things it's so that funny, Luke, I'm currently studying Luke. Really? <laughs> I am. Luke is literally my favorite gospel, probably because I also like Acts. Yes. Acts is literally my favorite book of the Bible. And he also wrote that. And so wow. maybe that might be the correlation. Um, but I just love Luke's pen was impeccable. Like everybody talks yes. about Paul because he did write the majority of the New Testament. But when you look at Luke's writing, his pen was just impeccable. Mm-hmm. And when he tells the recounts of Jesus and the stories, he comes from the perspective of how Jesus and how God doesn't like to lose stuff. Like yeah. when you look at the lost coin and the yes. lost son and the lost yes. this and the lost, yep. the lost sheep and the lost, yep. every single instance was focused on one person. One thing. One thing that Jesus went back for. Every single thing that Luke talks about. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or Matthew, Mark, and John, they come from a very general, yes. high level perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, this systems. You're going to get all the details in Luke. Matthew is a very, you could tell he was a systems level thinker because mm-hmm. that's how he wrote. You could tell Mark had an intrapersonal relationship with Jesus because that's how he wrote. John started from the beginning. He was like, I don't yeah. care about what none of y'all said. I'm starting from the beginning and <laughs> he I'm said, roll it all, all the way back. back <laughs> so that y'all can understand why this is supposed to make sense. But yeah. Luke, Luke focused on the one. Yeah. In every situation. He even had this saying, Una Sakia, are you the one? Are you and the one? That is wow. the perspective that he wrote from. And I just love how Luke's writing just really um speaks to that one. And it really helped me realize that if I allow the Lord to help me get right, yes. who are the ones yes. that I'm going to impact? Yes. Even through your story even through your life. And sometimes you said, if you're willing to put in the work, and I think sometimes people don't recognize the purpose of putting in the work. So you have, so you can become the person who can handle and walk in and steward and really open up and enjoy the life that God has for you. But also so that your life will be a prophecy for someone else. For sure, They can see what God's done for you and say, wow, I think I'm going to, kind of reevaluate how I'm spending my time and then also think about what motivates me yep am I it's not that we're not saying uh sometimes when people say when we deal with perfectionism people defend their defection their perfectionism they defend it to say well I I just like things nice and I have to do and I have to I have to but really it's not a matter no one's no one's angry at what you're doing what we're looking at is why If you feel, if you put that pressure on yourself thinking, I have to measure up so that I can get the love, get the attention, get the affirmation when the truth of the matter is God's already given it to you. God is already given to you. It is available. God deals with me in analogies. And there are two analogies that he gave me during this healing journey that have really just blessed me and blown my mind. And I share them as much as I can. The first thing is- Uh, is going back to that whole perpetual state of water walking. And he gave me an analogy of a Rubik's cube. And you Mm. know how things are constantly shifting and turning. 
and you think you've solved the puzzle, but you got one yellow and the blue. Right. Like as soon as you get settled, you start. As soon as you get one side done, you realize how to do the other. Yes. Like as soon as you get settled, all of a sudden you start shifting again. Yeah. So having that analogy, I'm like, that's like God's mind. He's just brilliant. And then the second analogy, and he speaks your language. He does. And he does that for everybody. So don't ever feel like God doesn't know your language. When we look, he'll if find he, it, he'll talk to you. If Acts two and thirty eight can happen, God knows your language. Come on, he knows how to speak to you. Period. <laughs> um, and the second analogy he gave me is, you know, every time I buy a car, I always like to test it to see how far it goes before I need to get gas. You know, all of us were like, I know my car, I know oh, my yeah. car, and you just keep going and going and going and going. Well, one time I thought I knew my car, uh oh, and I wound up being on the side of the road, and. In that moment, this was during this healing journey. And in that moment, he said, your fuel tank is your spirit. You think you know your spirit. You mm-hmm. think you can go so far without communing with me. Because I ain't going to lie. Wow. Prior to that moment, I was a hit or miss prayer person. Yeah, you know, yeah. Still listening to, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with secular music. Mm-hmm. My personal conviction to, shouldn't be everybody soul, else's. Though. But sometimes you need to consecrate. Sometimes you yep. need to only do things and commune with him so yes. that you can get filled back up. He's like, you keep going and going and going and going and going because you think you know your spirit. Oh, I know when to stop. Then, I know when to pull over. Uh-huh. I rather, know than rather than creating routines. Creating routines or creating filling up. Routine, okay, my gas is half empty. Let me go get gas yes. now. Don't wait till in the morning because you you know, I'm there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to wait till in the morning. Like why? when you? I mean, we see what happened with Pharaoh when he said tomorrow. I'll wait. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start he lost, with the problem. He lost the son because <laughs> his heart was hard. Oh, you know? Like, why? Yeah. Are waiting? <laughs> what are we waiting for? What and are we so waiting for? That wow. was just so important for me because now I tell people I love them every time I talk to them because you don't, yeah. you literally don't know. No. I'm always like, okay. God will tell me to pray for a person at work. I'm like, oh, well, I'll be in the office tomorrow. But I'm like, you know what? They might not make it till tomorrow. Let me go pray for them now. Or if I'm in the bread aisle and I think, you know, I shied away from the prophetic gift for a very long time because everybody wants to be a prophet. Everybody wants to be this. And so I'm just like, I don't want nothing to do with it. I'm just the wanna, whatever. Yeah. And then the Lord showed me, he said, what if Nahum had have never told the nation that the enemy that they see today, they'll never see again. See again. My God. What if Habakkuk had a never said, write the vision and Thank make you. it plain? What okay, if yeah, Malachi had a never said, what if Isaiah had a never, never said, said, what if, you know, naming all the prophets, what if they had a never said, what I told them to say. We wouldn't have an Old Testament, first of all. No, no. <laughs> we no wouldn't up. have an Old Testament. And then when you look at the true position of a prophet in the Old Testament, had nothing to do with church. Every mm-hmm. prophet was second in command because they had yes. the ear they had the the kings the the commanders oh absolutely and so it's like when you put it in perspective of mountain instead of ministry then you realize like oh this is so much bigger so much bigger just this you gonna get a car in three days (laughs) 
<laughs> that prosperity gospel. It's more than it's so much more than what just what we want to hear. It's what God is saying. Y'all out here creating young rich rulers with this prosperity prophecy. <laughs> they are too busy to follow the girl. Don't get us started on a whole other but I'm gonna tell you. Hold on, that's happening. Perfection is everybody excellent. wants to be that. Everybody wants to be that. Everybody but wants to be that. but he went away sad. He went away sad because Jesus knew. Yeah. Like how how because he didn't ask everybody else to to sell he what didn't he had ask and anybody me. else he and asked then, him he when knew, you go that's your thing talking about perfectionism versus excellence the bible yes. says that the gifts and calls are irrevocable right so you can operate in a gift in a job that god has fired you from oh yes he gave you the gift and it's irrevocable which means he can't take it back it comes without repentance is what some versions of the bible say Mm -hmm. so it's like you don't even have to repent you could be out here in a mess before you minister and a mess after you minister but but god's going to protect his people so he's going to show up and him showing up has nothing to do with your anointing it has everything to do with his people yeah because god is using me that, that I must I'm be okay, or like, no, God must be okay with what I'm doing. He's winking at it. He's giving me a pass. He's As not. if his word is not his word. It's, if his word is not his word. And I'm like, if you aren't careful, you're on a thin line between reprobate and divination. And it's a, it would be such a sad day to see I'm preaching behind the pulpit and I'm preaching these people to heaven while I'm right. on my way to hell. While I'm on my way. Well, you know, the apostle Paul said that as well. I don't want to get you all safely I there. Get you all safely and then there. I end That's up what he said. shipwrecked. Mm-hmm. And then I end up shipwrecked. Then I end so up he shipwrecked. was even concerned about his own salvation. Yeah. I think this thing with perfectionism and excellence is such a topic, particularly for ministers and leaders. For sure. Because our, some, we get into it. We say to ourselves, it's because I want to do it right for God. But we have to examine our hearts deeper, deeper and allow the Lord to examine it to say, but are you, are you trying to, are you serving out of a love for me in yes. cooperation with me? Yep. I think we can get into that perfectionism when we try to do it without him. Without we're not, we're not him. drawing on that grace and, you know, this has been so good. I'm going to think about water walking today. <laughs> I'm gonna think about Rubik's cubes today, and I'll probably put some gas in my car before it gets to a quarter ten. Please put some gas in your car. Don't say, so "Oh, I can just keep going." I know when to stop. I found this thing. You probably saw me looking on my phone. I saw this thing. I, I remember that I had this little thing. I saved this. I'm not sure why. Maybe it was for this moment, but it was about what burnout can look like. Mm. And so, six things. One is little to no motivation my goodness uh insomnia that is very real emotionally overwhelmed mm-hmm. you just cannot cope because you're so burned out amplified anxiety my meaning a, something little that makes you anxious becomes a really really big deal really big thing, really, really yeah. quickly exhaustion where you're not really physically mm-hmm. tired but you're just you just exhaust it you can't really get things moving and then this is a common phrase but easily triggered where yeah where it used to take a lot to push you over the edge and, and now I'm, 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 i live on the edge man now, in a minute in a minute really, right yeah we 
we would describe that as uh, living at 1158. Like you two ticks. Like, oh, you just was on the like Yeah, you, you just said 1158. Like two minutes, like, like tick, boom, and boom. it's over for me. So, hey, if you're experiencing any of that stuff, remember you've got to rest and you need some silence if you're going to be resilient. Absolutely. Woo, you're giving me a lot. I love it. Thank you so I much. I love this. This is so powerful. <laughs> and I just, you know, pray for everyone listening, whether you know the Lord or not, that Come on. the number one way, and we've said it several times throughout this podcast, the number one way to know if you're in excellence or if you're in perfectionism, is your heart. Yeah. Where is your heart postured? What side of the spectrum is it on? And that will lead you, but praying and asking God to help you, there's no shame if you're in perfectionism. Come on. You don't have language. That's how the enemy operates. He operates in our ignorance, but then he sends along a Dr. Pam Ross and a future Dr. Dewana Hatter to bring illumination to these situations so that you can have language to say, God, I think that's me. Yeah. So don't feel shameful. Don't feel guilty. Take it to him in prayer and watch him move in a miraculous way. Thank you so much for this. This has been so good. I really see you creating some type of a graphic that takes people from red to green. Where mm. on red is I'm in perfectionism. Wow. And then it kind of, it helps you gauge where you are all the way to green, where I'm just operating in excellence, meaning I do the best I can with what I have. Yeah. And my motive is to demonstrate the love of God. And not over here is I'm overextended committing more than what I really have in order to win the love of God or the, or the admiration and the support of people. So that that. just being able to know where am I on the spectrum? Yeah. It's kind of like the hearts that we see in what color heart are you today? Yeah. Or when you go in the hospital and they, you you know, you pick which one of those faces. Uh Yeah. (laughs) And really see you do that to give people a tool. So they know, wait a minute. uh Uh-uh. I'm already loved. You know, I already have his attention. I already have his endorsement, but I have to, I have to make a move to have his partnership. Absolutely. And that's, what's going to help me operate as a woman of excellence and not someone who feels like I have I to have get to be perfect. Right. Yeah. 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 Luana, I love you so much. I'm so excited about you. your journey. I'd love to have you back and talk about more things, particularly this health disparity. I really really want to have you back and talk about that because that is deals with the longevity of people based on where they live and who they are. So I think it's something we have to be aware of so we can contend for ourselves and our communities. So anyway, I love you so much. Thank you so much for being my guest. This was so good. I (laughs) want to hug Catch me on social media at PR the Builder. Visit me online at pamross.com. Catch you next time.